0: Welcome, and thanks for tuning in to the Watermark OC Church Sunday message. Watermark is a generational community that is crazy passionate about starting a conversation about God, your relationships, and authentic love. If you're interested in getting more information, please click the link in the show notes for next steps. Thanks again for listening. It's our hope and prayer that this message would transform your life.
1: I have a tradition that's so fun and full because Ben Appleby, Ben's not just... Uh, pastor with me. He's he's family. He's my son-in-law, and the tradition of Christmas is so fun for me because he's given me nine grandchildren, and so nine gen- grandchildren at Christmas is a real lot of fun, and we have 15 stockings <laughs> along our mantle, <laughs> 15 stockings, and it's going to be bedlam when those things get torn apart and <laughs> open up tomorrow, and it is so fun to have Wonderful young children running around going crazy for Christmas. It just brings back that wonder and that joy, and uh, I love that tradition. So thanks, Ben. It's yeah. so fun. And
0: like you say, we're a young family, so we're still forming our traditions. But uh, as there is so many kids, you know, one of the questions that Riley and I get, that's my wife Riley, that we get all the time is, how do you guys do it? You know? And one of the very first things out of my mouth is, well, we have an amazing family. We have an amazing support system, my, my in-laws and, and my parents and, and beyond, family members and friends that come, and it really does take a village to do this thing. You know, we have these family members, they're, they're present, they bring their gift of presence when they come, and they, they invest time, it's a deposit of time. Shout out to my mom, 82 years old. Helps homeschool mm-hmm. Ben's kiddos
1: at eighty two, retired yeah. uh, yeah. teacher, and she's amazing. So. She's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it,
0: I mean, multi generational investment in our family and our kids, and not all of you guys have that. So you know the other side of how much you would, you know, be passionate about that or desiring that. We we're blessed that we have that arrangement, and uh, you know that they pour into our kids not just with time but with values, a, a common set of values. And that makes it such a wonderful gift. And of course, that's what we're talking about in this Christmas series, this Christmas time. We've been in a teaching series now way ahead of Christmas Eve that's called the gift of presence. And these are practices. These, these are things that can be opened up truly like a gift. They're freely given, extended graciously. Now, you don't have to earn them. You don't have, there's no stipulations. There's no special provisions. It's, it's freely extended. And the gift that we want to talk about, we talked about gratitude, and that's a great gift that when opened leads to more access to God, leads to his kingdom, leads to more grace when we lead with gratitude. We've talked about waiting on the Lord. Waiting is painful and challenging, but you might just meet God in a special new way when you wait on him. We've talked about reading the Bible. Yeah, that's, a, that's an oldie but goodie, that when you look at the words, there's, there's almost a supernatural power that can jump off the page and really kind of enter into your heart and your mind in a new way. And tonight we're talking about Family. That's the gift we want you to open. You don't got to do anything. You, you just got to open it. You, gotta, you do have to receive it. And, you know, family, man, as I was thinking about family, I was preparing for the message. And I was, you know, it, it was the early morning time. And that's the only time I get with nine kids. It's like a sliver of 30 minutes before they're all up at my door. And I was in the living room praying for some divine revelation. God, you know, <laughs> let's make Christmas Eve great. What is, the, what is the big idea? What's the new thing to say? And, of course, in my ADD prayer brain, I started wandering off, and I saw our mantle at home. And up on top of the mantle is all these Christmas cards, all these smiling faces, these beautiful families. And what are they celebrating? They're celebrating graduations still, even during a pandemic year. They're celebrating marriages, weddings, new weddings, new marriages. And they're celebrating new babies, you know, or expectant mamas. All this wonderful stuff. I I saw across their faces. I didn't see this doom and gloom and and despair, and end times. I, I saw love, joy, peace, these wonderful things. But as I was thinking back to my message, I thought, man, you know what? Not everyone has that. Not everyone has that right now. And, and where would these people be if they didn't have a family, if they didn't have a faith family, a, a spiritual family? You know, the, the graduate, the graduate certainly got a handout, got tutoring or, or, or special help from a teacher, Teachers have had a hard go of it, man. And those teachers, that go an extra mile, even though it's painful. They had help from a family. The, the, the people who are getting married, I hope that they got some counsel before they made this major life decision. They had help from, from a family. Same thing for expectant parents. You know? They need a lot of help from someone that's gone before them, you know, a more seasoned parent. But What about those people, you guys, in this year that don't have that kind of support? You know, what happens when those systems fail us, when our social networks fail us? In a year where we've experienced those same things that were so expected, so basic, so assumed, what happens when they fail us? We need a family that is more dependable, that's bigger than what meets the surface. Yeah. We need a family of God.
1: Yeah, and that's really what the essence of Christmas is all about, is that God, uh, who, who's a family builder, I mean, the story of the Bible is about family. It was, it's about God wanting and desire a people for Himself to create a family that would honor Him and love Him and be in relationship with Him. And, and the Bible is all about that. And Christmas, really, is this great story of God leaving His eternal home to come and be, be a part of an earthly family, to take on skin, to become a human being, God with flesh on, skin on, so that we could have a part in His eternal family forever. And, and that is the great message of Christmas, And I love what the Bible says. God planned this before he even created anything, before the world was founded, before everything was put in place, before actually we became, you know, spiritual two years old and rebelled against him and walked away, right? Uh, Like some of Ben's kids, right? Before that happened, God knew that we were going to be a part of his family. In Ephesians, it says he chose us. Ephesians 1.5, God decided in advance to adopt us into his family by bringing us to himself Through Jesus, this is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. That's what gives. That's the heartbeat of the Father, our Heavenly Father. It gives him great pleasure to adopt us as his very own and to bring us into a spiritual family. And that that is so important, especially in the times that we're going through when those structures around us have fallen apart, whether it's our business structures, our financial structures, even our our family structures, right, right? God created a spiritual family so we didn't have to suffer and struggle alone. And he put us in that family to grow us up. Just like we're placed in a natural family, Ben's kids, to grow up and become mature adults, he places us in a spiritual family. So we will grow up and be formed into the image of his son. That's what Romans 8.29 says, that God chose us and he brought us all things in our life to conform us to the image of his son, Jesus, so that we would reflect the family values. So we would, we would take on our father's image and reflect it through the image of his son so the people in our culture and our world would see God's goodness and his love. And that's all of God's plan, to put us in a spiritual family to grow us up. And, you know, that's been so important to me. As I think about the generations, when I moved to Orange County, I was 25 years old, newly married, married. Uh, Coming here, planting down my roots, and I had all these ideas as a young man about what success was in my culture, what it meant to be a man and be strong, um, what, what, what marriage was supposed to be like, and, and all these things. And you know, as I look back, most of them were wrong. <laughs> most of them were off kilter. Most of them were leaving me down a path that was going to blow things up in my life. If it wasn't for God bringing me into a spiritual family and really connecting me to that family, And growing me up and teach me what it was the difference between being a man of the world and a man of God. I don't know where I'd be without that journey through a spiritual family. It was my spiritual family that taught me about what my identity really was all about. As a young man, I thought my identity was about what I could do. How I could perform. uh, uh, The money that I could earn. The things that I could accomplish. I thought my identity and worth came from my bank account. And it was a spiritual family that actually showed me that my identity worth came from my belovedness in God, from the fact that I was his beloved, dear son, and he loved me no matter what. Now, he loved me not just when I performed well, but he loved me when I struggled and I was broken. And it was those times of brokenness where my business maybe failed in the early 90s, and I felt like a complete failure. It was times when I, I didn't treat my wife and I didn't know how to fix my marriage. It was those men in my spiritual family Those spiritual fathers that came around inside me and taught me and modeled it for me and couples showed me what it was like really to have my worth and value in God and to know that he he loved me no matter what. And they showed me that grace and I realized my identity was, was, was worth his precious son. That's what Christmas is about. God is saying, I sent my son, this beautiful child, so that you would know the worth of my love in your life. He values us equal with the precious blood of his own son. That is our worth and value in God's eyes. Boy, that's amazing. And that can change us as it gets formed in us through a spiritual family that loves us and shows us grace. Because we all need that. And you know, a spiritual family, my spiritual family taught me really what marriage was about. Because I, I had no clue. I thought marriage was about basically me getting my wife to give me what I want. <laughs> it was using control or manipulation, you know, to she's here to make me happy, right? That's what, that's what a trophy white in Orange County is about. She's here to make me happy. And after uh, quite a number of failures, it was those men who came along and said, Bucky, let me just teach you about what marriage is really about. It's not about you. It's about her. <laughs> Your job is to serve her with sacrificial love. Just like that baby who came down and born in a manger, the king of all the universe, came Not to be served, but to serve others. Jesus said, I didn't come to lord over people. That's not the model of my leadership. I didn't come to be served by others. I came to serve and give my life as ransom for many. And that was the model that these men started to teach me about what it meant to be a godly husband. And what it really meant to have a flourishing marriage. And I learned the secret of marriage. Young men, let me give you the secret of marriage. It came from my spiritual family. Here it is. Happy wife Happy life. You want to say that with me? Come on, men. Happy wife, happy life. All right, all God's men said amen, right? That came from my spiritual family. That didn't come from my worldly family. And you know, my spiritual family, they taught me about what it meant to be a father, a true father. Because I thought being a father was about presence under the tree. If I could buy the big enough presents, the right enough presents for my girls, boy, then I'd be a good dad. If I could get them the right education, boy, they would love me. And you know what? As I grew and I found, found as they grew up, you know what they really wanted? They didn't want presents. They wanted my presence. They wanted a father that was involved in their life. They wanted my time. They wanted me to have words of love and grace when they fell down, when, when they got bad grades. When things went wrong with their friends, they wanted to have a father there that could understand and listen and love them and speak to them the words of belovedness right into their heart. They wanted a dad that would help them set boundaries and say no to them. They needed a dad that would discipline them in love. They needed my presence more than the big presence I could put under the tree. I learned that from the family of God and the couples and men that taught me what it was like to be a good father and a loving father. You see, the gift of family, that's just, that's just so precious to us all. That's what Christmas is all about. That first family, that nativity scene, you know, that, that's really why he came, to show us this grace and his love.
0: Yeah, and I, I love the nativity because that is almost like our modern conception of that Christmas card. We maybe have those statues and, uh, set up in our homes or our family homes or someone's house. We didn't even bring ours down this year because it's going to get destroyed. It's too fancy. It's too nice. It's going to get run over. And we have this conception, this modern conception of what the nativity scene, this first family, was really like. It's got this great A-frame structure and these beautiful big cedar logs. And there's Mary, Joseph, and Jesus. And and each one of the perfect farm animals, you know, it's just all coiffed, like real nice and pretty. Uh, Not so. You guys are all wondering, where's the classic Christmas passage? It's right here. I'm going to read it now. But you're going to find out that family is sometimes really messy. Every single person, even Jesus, was born into a messy, natural, biological family. And this is the picture of it, but it's not the whole picture. You don't get all of it. I'm going to share it with you right now. This is from Luke 2, verse 6, on your little half sheet or maybe your Bible app, whatever you got. It says this, And while they, that is Mary, Joseph, Jesus, and the whole witnesses there, were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly, the English translation says, in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. Let's talk about the lodging for a second. Was it this beautiful kind of wood-supplied structure? Now, this is the first century Judea. It's near the coastline. It's rock and sand. It's most likely that this, and maybe some of you guys have heard this before. It really blew my mind when I heard it. They were not in a quaint little inn or wood structure. They were most likely in a hollowed-out cave dwelling. That's where Jesus came into our midst. That's how Jesus entered the world. And yes, it's it's with the animals, right? What do animals do? And what do they like? They stink, and they smell, and it's rough. And I love the translations that say that Jesus was wrapped in cloth. It's like <laughs> they only had shreds of of material to lay across Jesus. It's It's pretty rough, you know? And how about his parents? Let's just talk about them for a second. I know we got the saintly Mary and, and, and the wonderful, amazing Joseph. They're, they're probably incredibly young parents, something else you've probably heard over the years, maybe even late teens. How about being a first-time parent to your first kid, let alone this, the Jewish Messiah, the Savior of the world, and you're a teenage parent? It's kind of messy. It's, it's not just perfectly quaffed like we always imagined. And then my attention turns to this year, you know? And, and what our, what, what's, the, what's our family system like right now? And what are, we, what are our structures, as Bucky said? How, how are they doing? Are they looking a little bit more like a cave dwelling than this picturesque, you know, kind of Christmas card? And I just think to myself, thank God that Jesus makes an appeal for a bigger, grander family than just whatever the natural arrangement is that we have. And actually, he speaks to that later on in his career. Look at this from Luke 8. This comes from Luke 8, verse 21. Jesus is doing his his so-called speaking tour. And some of his friends say, you know, hey, Jesus, your mom and your brothers are outside. They want to gain access to you. Well, they're having a a problem getting access to Jesus. How does Jesus respond? It so just befuddles me, you know, and maybe it will you as well just be kind of confusing. It almost seems gruff, but actually there's a lot of hope here in this passage. He says in response, my mother and my brothers are all those, get this, track with me, are all of those who hear God's word and obey it. Wow. Wow. Jesus opens up a a whole new possibility, you guys. A whole new arrangement is possible. That no matter what the hand is that you were dealt in your biological family, you didn't have this cookie-cutter in-law or a biological dad like I had who was here at the earlier service. You didn't have leagues of people to take care of your babies, and you are just doing whatever you can to grin and bear it this year in 2020. There is hope for you and the spiritual family of Jesus. Listen to what Jesus says when he talks about this arrangement. Because at face value, we don't get it. We think, oh, that, that's cute, Jesus. We can have, you're using that familial language again. That's You're just trying to use intimate language. No, Jesus says, you're my squad. You're my people. You here today online, if you're alone right now, no one knows about that, that, that challenge of togetherness and being separate on, on a holiday than you do. Some of the, the grandparents that have been you know isolated from your kids and your kids' kids and of every age and every circumstance that you guys are through, no one knows that like you guys do right now, but regardless of that distance, Jesus says, no, you, you all, Anyone who has said yes to the name of Jesus, who has heard me, received me, and then obeys me, has access to this family. And it's a gift of grace, you guys. Just please understand that. There's no hurdles. There's no obstacles. There's no stipulations. No, no, no prerequisites for it. We talked about that earlier this month. You can go and listen to it. We read this statistic that, that half of Christians, people who already call themselves Christians, half of them think that you have to work to earn God's grace. They think you actually have to earn it and do something to get it. You guys, the family of God is accessible to every single one of you. Online, if you're a guest and this is new to you, in person, if you're feeling discouraged and you're not sure what you believe about this year or next year, what you believe about God, we're trying to encourage you tonight that there is amazing hope in a bigger, grander family this family that Jesus pointed to, and he's there with you. Jesus says, in essence, when all else fails you, the person you can count on is me. That's what Jesus says in this passage. You're my brothers, you're my sisters, you're my friends. Shouldn't that give us hope, you guys, as we wind on this year and we look into the next year? If 2020 has taught us anything, it is that the most basic, assumed things, the things that just run in the background, You never even look at them or touch them or think about them, you know? Those types of things were just obliterated, taken from us in a moment. What should that lead us to? It should lead us to a greater dependency in something that's actually dependable, something we can put our trust in, something we can put our faith in. You know, my wife and I, we know about messy. Guys, I'm telling you, like... (laughs) I'm so sleepless most of these days raising these young kids. I can barely keep my wits about me. We go to bed every night, and we're just thanking Jesus like, whoo, who, who. yes, Lord, made it through another one. And most of the kids are intact. Most of them are healthy and whole. Thank you, Jesus. How did that happen? How did that happen? Boy, it must have been you, God. It must have been you. You must have given us a handout today because there's no way we could have done that on our own. You must have been there with us saying, it's okay, Riley and Ben, I got you. You're my brother. You're my sister. You're my family. And can I tell you how much I need that in the morning? When I go to bed at night, I feel almost a little bit, a little chip of pride that we did that, and, you know, maybe we are capable of doing this after all. When I wake up in the morning, I'm on my knees all over again. God, please, we need an intervention today before breakfast. Please, God, help us. And he's there. And he's there. He's there. In the midst of all the messiness and screaming matches and knockdown dragouts, he's there, you guys. Can I just tell you, that's what he says to you this Christmas? That's what he says to you at the end of this year, and that's what he's gonna be saying to you when you wake up January 1 and guess what? It's not all cookies and candy and ice cream and a, and a perfect new year with a bow on it. It's still a little messy. And God says, I'm here for you when all else fails. I'll be your family, and you don't have to earn it, you don't have to strive. And as the band comes up right now, you guys, that's what we want to pray around. That's the one thing I want to encourage all of you in. We're going to pray. We're going to designate this this time. And and please, would you just join us in this prayer? You guys can stand right now. And um, I really invite you to join us in this prayer. There's, There's powerful things that happen when we pray. Prayer is powerful. And things can move by our words. I believe that. I've come to believe that about prayer. Born and raised a Christian, but just in the last couple years, I I started to believe, believe God for more in my prayers. And there's a lot of power in this room, let me tell you right now. One of my favorite verses, you know? Jesus said that when two or more are gathered, I'm there in your midst. When two or more are gathered in my name. So when we pray right now, when when we ask in Jesus' name, there's power just even in uttering his name. And I'll tell you why we want some power right now. I'll tell you why we want the presence of God right now. We wanna open that gift in prayer because there's two things we're gonna pray for specifically. The first thing is gonna be hope. Maybe there's some people in this room, you're not so sure, you're still not sold on this whole family of God thing brings hope and will bring me peace and will bring me love despite the failures I've had in 2020. I wanna pray for you that God would put a fresh deposit of hope in your soul. And for those people at home who are despairing, who are discouraged, who feel alone or isolated right now, I'm gonna be praying for you may not be able to pray for you by name, but but we're directing these prayers at you in power. Remember that, in power, because we're together in this room. And we're also going to pray for those who are vulnerable and those who are suffering. Bucky's going to pray for those who are suffering right now. Some people, as tough as we've been, as brave as we've been, yes, the few of us who are here in person, we're pretty tough, we're pretty brave. And there's some of us who are just even on the margin there. Once we've been exposed maybe to COVID and things change and get a little different, a little real. Or someone we care about or love has been exposed to COVID or is, or is you know, battling it and, you know, they're probably going to be okay. But sometimes it gets a little dicey there and we, we get filled with fear and trepidation. We're going to be praying for those people that God would come close to them and that, yes, that God would deliver people from COVID. The people we know and love and, yes, the whole world even. We'll pray for that too. So will you join us right now? Just close your eyes right now. And um, we're going to pray. Jesus, I just thank you so much for, for being the ultimate dealer in hope. You do, Jesus. That is your mastery in just doling out hope where there is no hope, God. Some of us in this room and online figured that we're done and there's no more hope to be had. I pray right now in the name of Jesus you would fill them back up. Fill us back up, God. Fill us back up right now. I pray for the specific people in here, men, women, children, who aren't convinced that you are for them that you say that we are your brothers and your sisters. God, let them have such a penetrating conviction that they are, in fact, your family. May it be as real to them as the air we breathe right now, God. Come close to every single person, in person and online right now, who needs to know that you are family, and you never fail, God. You never fail. You are 10 for 10. This is the beginning of time. 2020 does not have a handle on you. You have a handle on this year and every other year until the end of time, Jesus. Thank you. Let us have a penetrating clearness about that wherever we are listening right now, God. Thank you for restoring hope to the hopeless right now tonight, God. Let people know they're a part of your family, I ask in Jesus' name.
1: Jesus, we just want to lift up those in our midst and those in our communities that are suffering, um, loss of a loved one here, a lonely time, being alone and isolated, separated from family, dealing with sickness or COVID, loss of job, loss of economic provision, God. We just ask that your grace would go out, Father, that those people would feel a sense of your peace and your presence through your spirit, that they would know that they are your beloved children and that you would confirm that in their heart, that they know you and they love you. And Father, put your healing grace upon them, and, and do the work that only you can do, answering our prayers, providing provision, providing peace and healing, providing that hope that Ben was talking about. And so we extend that grace to them. We ask, Lord, that, that you would put your light in their hearts and warm them. You are the light who came into the darkness, and you overcome the darkness in our lives. And, Lord, we ask for your church as your family, that we would reach out, that we would be around those that need to hear the hope that only you can bring. Lord, you've made us your light, and help us to spend that light and that hope throughout the world. And so we praise you and thank you for what you've done, who you are, and what you will do. And we worship you because you became this baby in a manger on one silent night, so that all the hopes and fears of all the years were met in your cry. From that little manger, Jesus, you grew up to be our Savior. You, be, you are Lord, and we love you and we praise you forevermore. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Amen. You guys uh, would have gotten a candle by now. Hopefully, if you didn't, you can kind of just raise your hand, and Ben and Sherry are coming around. They'll give you a candle, but they're also going to light the candles on the aisles. And then what you do is you just lean to the person next to you, and you light their candle. That's the instructions. Pretty simple enough, right? Straightforward. And we want you to really embrace this moment. You have the candle, yeah, because it's fun and it's beautiful and it's tradition. But once again, as these guys sing this song, just think about the hope that God is filling you up with right now. The light is a great image of that. It's a great picture of that. The hope that we do have. The hope that you guys have in Jesus. And that that light will never go out. Even though it momentarily goes out right now in this exercise, it never goes out once it's given life inside you. And we'll sing this song together, and then we'll close out the service. But just know the hope that you have is alive and well, and it comes from Jesus, the King of Kings. We hope that this message has challenged and encouraged you. If you need prayer, would like to join a small group community, or interested in partnering with our work throughout Costa Mesa and Orange County, please go to watermarkoc.com. We would love to start a conversation.